how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Brad Lewis produced the Oscar-nominated How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, the critically acclaimed conclusion of the trilogy. He also produced Storks, the Lego Batman movie, and worked on Pixar films like Ratatouille and Cars 2, among many other successful projects. PJ Gunsager is an entrepreneur at heart. After starting his career in finance, working as an investment banker at UBS Warburg, an early stage investor at Intel Capital, he focused his career on building companies at the intersection of technology and media from the ground up. Spire Animation is the fourth company he's co-founded. In this interview, Brad and PJ discuss technology to wow the world, live action ideas versus animated ideas, the extended story process for animation, how they think about big ideas and original stories, the importance of creativity and risk, and they share a few details about an upcoming project with funny man Danny McBride. This is Brad uh, speaking. So, you know, uh, for me, it was really, I, I first was really drawn into um, theater and wanting to be a performer. You know, I've, I was one of those kids who grew up, see a trumpet, see Al Hurt play, want to play trumpet, right? See somebody on stage singing, dancing. It's like, I want to do that. I want to do that. So it was always, I got into that. So it's, performing was sort of everything. Um, and then, and then uh, after being sort of a theater major, um, I, I went to work in New York as I was auditioning. And I was, I was a dancer on Sesame Street Live, one of the dancing monsters. Uh, but I just wanted to be, you know, sort of in that business. And uh, I went to work for a post-production company in New York, and we started to do animation, um, test commercials, uh, you know, sort of early computer graphics. And um, I started to sort of parlay my interest in performing arts into actually drawing performing arts uh, and, and trying to connect with audiences and emotions that way. And, and uh, of course, 
you know, being influenced as a kid by great animated films from, uh, from uh, you know, every, yearly, basically. Uh, it was like something that, where I could sort of find my voice uh, uh, crossing over into that medium. Mm. Uh, this is PJ Gonzaga. I'm uh, Brad's partner. Um, my path into animation and filmmaking uh, is probably at the other end of the spectrum. Um, it, I was never artistic, um, uh, was uh, an economics and political science major, went and worked on Wall Street, still didn't know what I wanted to do, um, then went to law school, business school, and then was an investor. Uh, and it wasn't until I set foot in an animation studio because um, Intel Capital, where I worked, had invested in an animation studio that it it hit me like um, immediately, really. Uh, for me, it was more of a, um, an excitement over the potential of leveraging technology uh, and storytelling to, to wow the world. And, and what happened was um, my mom is a painter. There was a lot of dance and singing in, in, in my life growing up, but I was pushed into these you know, more business and academic um, uh, fields. And um, it like, again, hit me like a wall where it was, wow, this would be such a great way to spend my life um, combining technology and art to, you know, wow families around the world. And, and then I, you know, right away started my own animation studio. And it was through that process, I um, really then took a deeper look into filmmaking and, 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 um, uh, and, and writing and, and directing and, and um, while I'm, I handle the business aspects of what we do, my favorite part of my job is is spending time with Brad and the story team, really absorbing um, how they approach uh, filmmaking. So just kind of generally speaking, I mostly talk to writers and directors. We're talking about like live action. So a, a pitch would be a good script, a director's attached, actor's attached, something like that. What makes a good pitch for something that's animated? Like how do you kind of even start? Are there actual images always involved? Is there a test and some of those things? I, I, I mean, to the, the greatest pitch for an animated idea is, is, is probably in, in many ways no different than for a live action idea. From, it, from the get-go, it's got to be a a, a one or two paragraph idea that you feel like has got, you know, it's got all the elements of a great story in it, right? With some great characters. Um, so I think, I think from the, at, at that stage, it's all very similar. Um, the process, um, even, you know, initially after that, it, it might be similar where you sort of get out to a writer or write it yourself, sort of a treatment, find the right writer to, to sort of collaborate with and then get through treatment into a script. But, but what's a little different is in parallel to that, uh, because animation is a visual medium, we start um, activating different artists doing early visual development. So we'll start to see design ideas for the world that the, that the idea might take place in, or for given sets, you know, whether it's sort of interior, exterior, what, what, you know, fantasy, whatever the idea might be. And also we start designing characters. So you know, what, what are the characters that are the right fit for that story um, because we think through the, the visual type of character and the archetypal kind of character that it be, is becoming in the script 
And that's because that's going to be our actor, right? It's, is, is what, who the character is. And then secondarily, we start to think about who might want to voice those things. And, and then the other big difference, I think, is um, we storyboard everything. Once we get through that script, you know, every shot in the movie is storyboarded and screened in that sort of black and white drawing form, all cut together with voices and music and all that. The full movie, and usually several times before we commit to animation because of the you know, intensity of the labor and costs and all those kinds of things. I was just going to add, um, I think it's, it, it's that, that what, what, from my perspective, kind of differentiates us from live action is that extended story process that allows you to really make sure you're, you're hitting the mark on, you know, all aspects of the movie you want to make before you actually go into production. But also at the beginning, given our audience is a four-year-old to a 90-year-old potentially, um, I look for themes um, and, and ideas that could connect with that full range of, 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 of people. And um, so how clever is the idea? Where, were there, where are there opportunities um, to connect with uh, an adult and then also have a, you know, an underlying fun theme that a child can understand? I think getting that upright in that two in that two paragraph pitch is critical uh, uh for me tell me a little bell i know you guys both have a history with companies like pixar and warner brothers how did you guys meet and then what was the decision to start this new company how did that kind of all come about uh i'll take that brad so so um my foray into animation really started on the services side um, we built a, a you know, a, a, one of the leading independent animation studios in the world, Prana, um, and we're doing, uh, you know, animated movies for Disney and we did planes for Disney Pixar. And I always, you know, the original idea for the company was to learn through services and then kind of transform into, you know, an IP creation, you know, movie making house. Um, that that transition uh, or transformation wasn't easy. And it's not easy for a lot of services companies, uh, but, but it was always burning in me to, to want to make our own movies. Um, I left Prana to start a, a company that actually made content for preschoolers uh, for the iPad. Um, but again, deep inside was this, this desire to make animated features. My global CTO, a guy named Apoorva Shah, um, worked with Brad at PDI and was Brad's VFX soup at Pixar. We were close and, and he reached out to me a few years ago and said, you know, um, Brad Lewis, of course, who's was well known for all the movies he's been a part of. Um, and, and my favorite movie, of course, Ratatouille, uh, is, was coming off of Dragons and um, might be looking to do something more entrepreneurial. Um, I've been a serial entrepreneur by that point, um, Spire's my, my fifth company. Um, I immediately, you know, said to Porva, hey, you got to connect us because um, it's very difficult, as you know, Brock, to, to pull creatives out of the studio system when they're well compensated, they, you know, to go and do something that's um, as risky as a startup. Um, but we, we connected, we really hit it off. Um, personally, um, off the bat, uh, spent about a year coming up with the plan. Uh, it also turned out our daughters went to the same high school. So that was a really nice um, point of intersection. And um, 
um, when we started Spire, you know, it was really about making sure we, we, we aligned on three things with investors. And, and, and one was, of course, telling original stories. Um, we thought that um, the industry was starting to play it a little safe and, and we wanted to get back to telling original stories like Ratatouille, for example. Um, we thought there was a really cool opportunity to leverage new technologies like real time and cloud um, as a greenfield opportunity. And third, and probably you know, very important, was um, have partners around the table that a group you know supported our vision, but could really bring muscle uh, to the table. I mean, it's one thing to come up with great ideas; it's another to have a real seat at the table with the big guys and, and negotiate those kinds of deals. And so, bringing in CAA and NEA and the Ziffrin Law Firm um, was important to us. Uh, at that same time, Brad was being offered to run you know, one of the top five studios in the country. And so we needed all of those three pieces to come together for us to say, okay, let's go do Spire. And now we're about 15 months in and um, it's been an amazing ride. To kind of add to that, um, so you guys have both have, have great careers. Maybe this might be a question for, for PJ or for both of you, but what is it about wanting to do something really big. What I mean by that is people want to be involved with big ideas. If you said, you know, PJ, I want to start an animated YouTube channel, you wouldn't get anyone's attention. So what is it about putting the pieces together and bringing people together? How do you pitch things in a way where you're really talking about, we want to change animation in the industry? Well, I, I mean, you know, when we, uh, what you know, one of your podcasts is creative principles, right? And, and I think, Part of this is PG and I aligning on and on maybe one central thing, and and that is risk taking, which is central to any sort of creative principle, right? Um, and and I think in you know my estimation, the animated feature world is taking less and less risks. So so you know for us, part of the the thing is all right. Let you know if, if risk taking is sort of lacking, we want to bring that back into the animated feature film space. Um, it's what, what's the best way to do that? Um, and and you know whether or not we want to do it big or not is is to me I would sort of translate that into do we want to try to tell a story that takes greater risk than is currently being taken in the business and try to affect as many people to either laugh or to cry or to feel something during that ninety minute uh, you know emotional equation and and PJ and I were both absolutely so. So, you know, what's the way, the best way to do that? Certainly an original story and trying to, you know, get great creatives involved, like, you know, Dan McBride, we're working with on one, on one of the ideas and, and you know, sort of uh, Star and Bisha and Diane on the other one. But, but the other way to do it is to, to, to get folks from, from, from many of the places that I've worked, whether it's Pixar, DreamWorks, you know, um, Warner Brothers saying like, there's a better way. Like, you know, we can, you can get lost in these sort of massive weed fields of, you know, 1500 person companies mm -hmm. um, doing things a certain way that's been built over the last 20 years. And so what if we had the opportunity to get small, uh, do something that invigorated people, not just creatively, but on the technical side and also on the sort of the, the character and value side, like let's get people mm -hmm. together that think and feel and work the way we want to work. And, and so like that was really the impetus to want to do it. And, and, you know, then we get some really great folks like the folks at CAA or NEA to sort of say, dude, we love this. 
let's support you. Let's make that happen. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's felt like to me. What do, what do you think puts on some of those restraints? Is it, I mean, I imagine some of it is like, okay, if we do a sequel here, we know it's going to do this. It's also like you said, 1500 people, you get a committee there. It's hard to get ideas through. Is it better to be smaller? What are some of the problems and what are some of your solutions to these problems? Well, well, certainly, um, you know, what PJ mentioned earlier is really the story process. You know, we, we spend, you know, 12, 18, 24 months getting the stories right. And we screen the whole movie on several occasions. So, you know, that gives a lot of people a bite at the creative apple, right? To throw in opinions about what it is and what it's not, what it could be, what it should be. And, and in, you know, you have to be really careful as a director, as a creative, to not let that sort of round off all the really nice edges that you had in those initial ideas and those initial jokes and those initial, you know, sort of uh, takes. Um, so I think it can get eroded over time because of the process of animation. Um, people put a lot of money into these movies. So people get very nervous about taking creative <laughs> risk and they've got, you know, tens of millions of dollars out there. Um, and, and I think, you know, when people use pre-existing IP or sequels or something like that, it gives them a comfort level with, if I spend X, oh, at least it's got a built-in audience, so I should get X back, which is, you know, sort of, for me, kind of the anathema to the creative process. I mean, look, I get it, and we all have to, you know, we all do this so everybody makes money and makes money back, but at the same time, I think, you know, I always want to do it, you know, risking a lot and then making money, not sort of conservatively guaranteeing so much of a return that you can't take, you know, that sort of big creative voice and put it out there. What are some of the plans or, or things you do to limit risk? I mean, is it about small trial audiences? What are some of those things you can do where you take away some of the perceived risk? Realize, well, maybe it's not that risky if we try it this way. Well, you know, certainly, you know, you can do like, uh, you can you can screen what you're doing along the way from peers in the industry that you know are are, are good entertainers and that have done some risk taking in their lives. Um, so you can start to get some of that feedback. Um, a lot of times you'll know along the way that your ideas are working because you can you you elicit responses right. This is part of why we entertain is to elicit you know some sort of a response, a laugh or a gasp or a or a tear or whatever it might be. Um, and I think, you know, you sort of, you know, for me as a creative, I'm always sort of insecure about my product. So I'm constantly, you know, trying it on people, right? Let, let me try that on. Does that work? You know, do you still like me? Do you still like the idea? So there's, you know, I think every creative has their own process for how to do that. For me, it's a lot of trying to retrying and retrying to making sure everybody's still saying, yeah, we like this. We really like this. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's, there is, you know, gets more formal toward the end when you get toward the, uh, you know, a release date and the studio's starting to take a look at it. Um, but the best way to reassure a studio is to put it in front of a, a, an audience that loves it. Um, and, and, and you know that it's, it's kind of working. So very painful at that stage, you know, to, if you got to get rid of something that you really think is great, but you know, at the end of the day, we're here to engage the audience. If they're not engaged, um, then we, we can do it better. We can try something different and do it better. So, so, Brock, just to add to that, because I think it ties to your second question about how do you actually go about raising money to build a business in animation? Um, 
because that's the that is a big question like you know is this a hits bit driven business like what happens if the movie doesn't doesn't work and and i think aside from the ways brad's described that to mitigate risk a really important aspect of what we're doing is leveraging real-time workflows um, through the unreal engine that that epic um, has created and what that does is give you much more real-time feedback and an ability to iterate quickly so so unlike a traditional pipeline where you're going to very hard to move back without disrupting all that's been created, we're going to be leveraging that engine to develop the story um, in real time. So you'll still be storyboarding to some degree, but Brad can go in there with the camera into the world that we've created and find his story and find his movie and get feedback in real time. That's moving... Um, way upstream aspects of the movie that you wouldn't be able to get to for many months in a traditional pipeline. So from an investor's perspective, they're not only seeing that this is a disruptive approach to, to filmmaking and animation, but it's mitigating risk meaningfully because we're getting more real-time feedback throughout the animation and story process. Um, the, the other thing I would add when you know, the general risk taking principle, I guess, mm -hmm. is we, we are adding people to our company that are, are, are tried and true, amazing performers. They're either amazing comedic performers in story or, or animation, or they're great technical performers and great technical learners and, and brains to put into this sort of uh, the studio. So when you like whatever ideas you might come out with on, on a, a creative or a technical front, people are plussing them, right? Because they've mm -hmm. got good experience and they really know what they're doing. So it's sort of like, oh yeah, but what if we also try this? And it's like, that's a great idea, let's try. So we sort of mitigate risk by being really great people that surround us. And, and Brock, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't at this stage then build on what Brad's saying and, and, and really celebrate a few of those folks that have, have come on board. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been great because you know we're moving a million miles an hour, um, but just to reflect for a second on on this idea of if if we build it, they will come. Um, we've got a former head of animation at Pixar, Sean Krause, on the story team. Former head of story um, at DreamWorks, Mike Surrey on the team. Former head of story and director from Blue Sky, Karen Disher on the team, and another former head of story from Pixar, Ted Mathot on the team, uh, who was Brad Bird's right hand man. And so if you ask me what really mitigates the risk is this combination with Brad of a team um, that's been part of movies that have generated billions of dollars at the box office and have taken really big risks in their career to tell stories that have hit audiences all over the world. And if we can synthesize that into, into one of our movies, um, I think we've got the sky is the limit. So it boils down to the people, really. Where, where are things at kind of today? So if we go back to 95, when Toy Story came out, Pixar made a movie every couple of years. Now they make one a year, every two years. I think they're in a three or four year time frame. What are you guys, what's the best outcome? And then how do you plan to maybe make those even shorter windows and like idea to release date? I don't, gosh, I don't know about shorter windows. <laughs> I, 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 I have to say that, um, the, the realization of great ideas, it, it, it takes time. 
and mm -hmm. and you know you, you sort of don't want to you don't want to rush that you know you can't say like go be more creative in the next three hours <laughs> um, it's it's so so a lot of it is the synthesis of, of good people over time and like you know it, it, these are 90 minute equations that are really tough to get right um they may look simple for the end user the people that sit in the audience and go oh i like that but they're they're extraordinarily complex sort of you know um waves and sort of the, the way we sort of pace it out so i i mean I, I, I can't really speak to, you know, to a shorter window. Every idea needs the time it needs to be great, and it needs the right number of people to make it great. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know I don't know about that. I, you know, I, I I will tell you I love right now is sort of getting small with a with a, a you know a small to medium sized studio where we can really get everybody involved in what the story's about and and feeling like they're bringing their prism into how to tell that story best, no matter what their talent might be. And, and it's, it, it's going to be, in a way, easier for us to do that in a smaller atmosphere than in some of the larger atmospheres. But, but look, there's some incredibly talented people across the industry doing like amazing things. And PJ, you've answered this a little already. How do you, like, I think what Brad just said is how all creatives want to think about all of their work. But at some point, you've got to make that sale and do some of these things. How do you kind of phrase some of those things just that we're at it to make to tell the best stories possible? And then the, the ROI and some of those things will come as they come. How do you kind of think about some of that? Well, um, ultimately, um, you know, I, again, you know, unlike I imagine, you know, a, a Pixar or a Disney where there's there's ample room to expand the budget when needed. Um, you know, coming out of the gates, we're going to have to be laser focused on hitting the number that, that we want to hit to make these movies. And so that's a forcing function for all of us to make sure that we're very disciplined throughout the process of knowing when we might not have more time to, to you know, achieve what the, the particular creative goal on a particular task might be. Um, one of the great things about Spire is Brad's a creative and a producer in one, and there's very few of them, honestly, on the planet, in animation especially. Um, so his natural inclination is to be mindful of the time uh, and the schedule and the budget. Um, Honestly, it would be very hard to create a studio from scratch the way we have without that at this stage in the DNA of, 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 the, of both founders. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it's, it turns out then not to be that hard because you know, as, a, as someone who's come from um, investment banking where you, know, you model everything out and you, you track every expense very carefully, um, and anytime projections are off, you, you push pause and you get everyone aligned, um, bringing those fundamentals into animation, which is what we did at my former company, Prana, um, is, is how we're going to run things at Spire, where everything is tracked, everything's on schedule, and we're managing it that way. I, I, look, PJ is, one of the things we aligned on, like I said earlier, is risk taking, right? I mean, like, so the, the, the cool thing about PJ is, he wants us to be credibly as best as it can be, right? And, and I said that without swearing, like as best as it can blank be. So, at, at, you know, 
so that's there's total alignment there and, and he's done that in his companies and in his life um for me like every great creative has some boundary some limitation right that can be money that can be time that can be how big your set is in, in a live action context you gotta you gotta work around things all the time so you know deadlines just mean we have to be you know push it up to the very bleeding edge of this you know I've, I've had the fortune working with you know um phil lord chris miller and like those two guys you know you can be in the 11th hour in a mix and they're still looking to change a shot in animation like it's it's nuts how hard they push for these things and whether it's brad bird or you know or or dean the blog these guys they push right up to the very limit but so you know, that's our, our job is to make not let people who are setting limitations down by not pushing hard enough. So, yeah. And just, and Brock, building on that just for a second, what's really cool about, um, you know, at first when we started Spire and then the pandemic hit and, and I was like, shoot, we're, everyone's going to be working from remotely. How, how are we going to actually be creative? Um, it's turned out that that flexibility has is giving for giving folks more at bats at every creative endeavor. Um, they're spending more time. They're they're connecting more deeply, um, and so I think it's a combination of that ethos around hey, we want to provide you with the tools, the infrastructure, the time, the flexibility to bring your A game across everything you do, um, and as you know. As long as it, it's we're on track and we're on schedule, we, we want to be a super supportive that way. And I think combining that with, hey, what our North Star is in terms of schedule and deliveries, I think has given creatives um, overall more freedom to, to, to do their best work. We'll just do maybe um, one more. I think you guys have mentioned a few things. I said, you said you're working with Fannie McBride. Are you sharing any details yet about some of the things you're planning to come out with, or is that still kind of under wraps? Um, well, we're not sharing a lot of detail about it, but um, the, you know, the idea with Danny was, was I had originally came up with this idea about, um, you know, I, I got threatened with getting into trouble a lot in my life, right? Whether it was talking too much or doing something the wrong way or, you know, having too much fun basically inside of, authoritarian regimes like school um so um I, I started thinking like what if what if trouble was a place that actually existed like what if you got some kid got into trouble and he got sent to trouble and then he had to get out of trouble you know um and so effectively i did some brainstorming around that idea and and i kind of threw it over the fence to danny um, hmm. thinking, you know, I, like Danny's a creator, his characters are, you know, amazingly empathetic while still being super irreverent. And, and I, and the, the feeling was, man, if we could bring that, that Danny creativity DNA into the animated world with an idea like this, um, hmm. that maybe we'd combine in a really special way. So, and, and Danny was like, I love it, let's do it. Hmm. And so we've been, we've been kicking around for the last, you know, nine, 10, 11 months and brought on a couple of really talented writers with, uh, Kevin Barnett, and Chris Pappas, and we're we're uh, so often something great. So that's 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 the the Danny idea, and and uh, we're like uh, you know stars are aligning on irreverent comedic fun for sure. Yeah. 
do you see that as kind of like that? So instead of having this character done and bringing someone in, that's more of early in the process, almost like we think about Robin Williams doing the genie. I mean, that was built for him. Do you kind of see ideas shaping the same way with Spire? Well, that's, that was actually part of the impetus for me is, you know, obviously we, you know, we, we watch everybody's work, right. And you see great entertainers and, and, and you sort of think, you know, in the process of animation, typically you'll bring them as voice toward the very end. And although you'd like them to sort of influence their character more, possibly that would then influence the story in a different way. It's, it's very much a downstream of the story creation. Mm-hmm. So the, the thought about approaching Danny was, what if we had Danny upstream? And what if we could, you know, get his obviously writer creator brain, but also yeah. his, his sort of character brain in from the very start and, and how might that affect the story? So that, that certainly was, you know, very much a, a purposeful part of our process. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.